we'll take a look at some sets. And jokes and stuff, we'll take a look at some sets. Yeah! And then we will discuss and talk and things on the joy of sets. Okay. You'll know this already because you're a massive fan of the podcast, but mm -hmm. um, with the beginning of the post-match interview, I have to do that like welcome thing. So I'll do that and then just ask you about what we just spoke about in a sort of quick sort of one or two minute clip. Mm -hmm. Okay. <clears throat> Ooh. Welcome to the Joy of Sets podcast, the podcast where I, Carl Kazana, talk to comedians about their old notes set <laughs> by gone material. On today's show is the wonderful Mr. Alex Mason. Alex, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you doing? Yeah, good. You were staring at me very intently throughout all of that. <laughs> it's, it was a beautiful um, piece of performance art, really. Uh, so, Alex, you and I have just uh, spoken uh, for the Joy Sets podcast. How was it? How did you enjoy it? What's your problem with Elaine Fellows? What did we talk about? Oh, we talked all about stand-up. I haven't got an issue with uh, uh, Elaine per se. I, uh, <laughs> she's a friend slash nemesis, which is why I'm better friends with you. Why haven't I been on the podcast sooner? You've had Simon Harriet on. He's a lovely man, oh. but, you know, I've, we've, I'm better friends with you than Simon. Actually, as I said that, that might not be true. I feel bad now. Perhaps, actually, I've overestimated our friendship, Carl. No, no, I think you've estimated it well. Um, there's just there's been all manner of people on here who I know less well than you, and they've all made it on before you. I, you know, I don't know what to say. Um, what can the people look forward to in this episode specifically, but not with too much detail, please, Alex? Um, we uh, we talk about stand up and how to write stand up and my progression from a very bad comedian to a competent comedian. Uh, when do you think that's going to take place? When do I think that's, uh, hopefully, hopefully soon, because uh, things need to start working. <laughs> no, you're you're very good. Um, oh yeah, there's a, a a first ever, well, probably first and last try for that second feature, uh, which you know I don't want to give too much away uh, about, but I thought you did very well on that, Alex. Thank you. Uh, I had a really good time. I enjoyed it very much, and um, I look forward to you doing it again. But you know, way in the future when a lot of other people that I know less well have also done their awesome. done their second go. <laughs> um, well, yeah. So without further ado, I give to you Alex Mason, Alex Jonathan Creek Mason. As I live and breathe, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. That is that that is actually my proper full name. No one no one really knows that. I uh, I thought it would be um, because you're you know obviously the inspiration for that show mm. um how how's it going how are you i'm good man uh good just uh been chilling today and uh doing a bit of writing doing a bit of reading let's get into the intro quiz sick <laughs> <laughs> sorry i i just thought it would be really funny and i, I think i think it was um, it makes so, me smile <laughs> so uh the intro quiz uh if you don't know already is 
basically blankety blank i found bits of information about you on the internet and you just have to fill in the blank as to what that bit of information is that's missing from it um do you understand are you ready for the intro quiz i've never been more prepared for anything in my life carlos <laughs> it's the introduction quiz introduction to the guest fire quiz perfect all right so um I, I normally do four i think i've got five for you just in case i need to edit one out because is it also we'll am i is it because you like me more than your other guests uh yeah yeah, also, yeah, I'll, yeah i'll be honest as well i've looked through the people who've already been released i'm like i'm better friends with carl than any of these <laughs> these mofos I mean, it like is... Elaine Fellows. You don't even know Elaine Fellows. <laughs> I had a great chat. She, I'll be honest, she's been the best guest yet. Um, really? Well, it, that it surprises is... me because she's a she's a husk of a human being. <laughs> it is. I mean, quite frankly, it is embarrassing that we are as good as friends as we are, and it's taken this long to get you on. But you know, we're here now. Let's make the most of it. Um, awesome. So, uh, number one or the first one, Alex is. Um, Alex Mason is a young up-and-coming comedian. She has a thoroughly blank presence. Oh, well, I'm guessing this is about um, the uh, the other Alex Mason, who's a charming young lady from uh, Bristol. She has a. Oh. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say charming. Is yeah, I see what I see. What I've done, yeah, because it's not that's not about you, is it? No. Hmm. It's um, it's real. We've been on the same gig a number of times, and I've gone on after, and it's like. I get up and I'm, I go, it's, it is demoralising when you come up on stage and like a younger, more charismatic version of you has already wowed the audience and you're just some kind of patriarchal version from the past coming up to bomb. It, yeah, I mean, if if I'm honest, I, now I look at these, I, I was sort of under the impression that's who I'd booked. Um, so that's... Uh, do, I mean, do you do you know her? Do you, do you have a number or anything? Or uh, I have a, I I have her on Facebook, and occasionally we message each other because there'll be confusions as to what Alex Mason has been booked. So, so we, can... I could I could drop her a line now if you like. Uh, as I, I say, mean... it's Facebook Messenger, so it might not be you know it might not be at the top of her overall inbox. Yeah, I mean, because. God, yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? Because we're recording now. Um, mm. we'll, we'll make do. <laughs> we'll make do with what we've got. Um, I mean, yeah, if you just want to, like like you did, yeah, if you just answer these as if you're... Uh, I mean, as I if think, I am her. Yeah, and then we'll, you know, that's... I mean, yeah, it's it's a shame, but, um, you know, what what can you do? Uh, so you said charming. Mm-hmm. That, that's incorrect. It's engaging. Oh, engaging. Get, I've, so kind I've of, they're if, kind of synonyms in a way. Do I get half a point? Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, that I think that sounds fair enough because you're you're different people. So I mean, good on you mm. for have now. I now I look at it. This second one is about her as well. Um, do it anyway. Uh, people would describe my comedy as intelligent comedy with a dumb persona. I would describe my comedy as blank comedy with blank persona. Uh, well, because she's very charming uh, and self-deprecating, uh, and and would I think she would have said this with a glint in her eye? She she would have said it's dumb dumb comedy with a dumb persona. When in fact it's intelligent comedy with a with a with a charming 
everyday person persona. I'm going to give you another half a point, bringing you up to one point, because mm -hmm. uh, you've said some of the right words, but not at the right time. Uh, it's intelligent and my, so I would describe my comedy as intelligent with my persona. Oh, I see. Um, so that's the end of the little bit of fun there. These ones are actually about you. Um, oh no! Uh, oh, you're such a trickster. You're like you're like you're like the low you're like the Loki of the uh, of the British comedy scene. I've always said that, it. it's it's been said uh, on a number of occasions. Um, I feel like I got your hook, line, and sinker there. You, the look on your face, there, Alex. You couldn't believe it. I'm a fool, Carl. I'm a bloody fool. <laughs> um, so the third one is. Local comedian and rising star of the stand-up circuit, Blank Blank, is bringing a work-in-progress version of his debut show, Blank Blank, to Brighton Fringe. Uh, Alex Mason and Delicate Flower. Also, thank you so Correct. much that we've done this interview now to promo a show that was done two weeks ago. Yeah. I mean, in my defence, it was booked in before then, but I didn't do it. We didn't, yeah. we didn't make, it, didn't make it happen. I let you stay around my house. Yeah, I feel and, bad. And, and admittedly, I was having a <laughs> breakdown when he came in, but you know, we we could have still done the interview. It could have been like a scorched uh, style, angry, <laughs> like my Kramer moment, you know. Something about the vibe in the room when I came in was like, "Shall I just set up my mic then?" <laughs> <laughs> um, how? Um, well, I mean, I, we've got a couple more of these to go through, but uh, I would I would just like to say quickly, how was the show? Uh, I heard it was a great success. Yeah, it went really well. Uh, I did it at the Actors, which is um, uh, a pub uh, near Kemp Town, which has a lovely theatre upstairs. And yeah, it was a pretty much full room both times. And, and yeah, it went really well. I was, I mean, it's one of those things where my original goal was, because it was my first time doing an hour, I was like, oh, if I can get to an hour and there's laughter out, I'll be happy. And I, I think I uh, blasted past that goal. But of course, then yeah, you kind of um, critical brain kicks in and you go, yeah, but the show still needs a lot of work and blah, blah, blah. So it went really well, uh, but I'm excited to tinker with the show and uh, get it get it to a point that I'm happy with. I think that's a better way to come out of it as well, rather than going like, well, absolutely smashed that. I knew I would. And I did like to come out and be like, actually, I need I would like it to be better because or like to improve on what was already good. Oh yeah, it was good. just say it was good. It was great. All the feedback was positive, and there was it. Like, like I'd say, the first if I was judging it by a standard gig, the first one was probably like a nine out of ten, and the second one was like a seven out of ten. So both yeah. and and both were like I I did it as a pay what you want free entry, but I think if I had set the ticket price at like a tenner, I would have felt um, okay at the end of it being like. I feel like that's ten pounds worth of comedy, but I want to yeah. be in that in that thirty pound bracket car because your boy <laughs> needs money. Well, I think as well, like first hour, you're like, can I can I even remember that much stuff? Like, can I physically do it? So the idea of charging like a decent ticket price, I think for because I did the same thing, like pay what you want, like free entry, but pay what you want at the end. And uh, it just felt to me like a safer way of doing your first hour rather than going. But it it takes the pressure off as well because. Yeah, even if it does end up being, and that that's part of one of the things of it being a work in progress show is it, it might be great or it might be shit. You don't really know until, I mean, I, th I think in my case, I'd done a lot of the material before, but never in kind of a, with a, 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 a canvas of an hour. 
yeah. I hate that was such a pretentious way to say that. <laughs> uh, working with an hour, but like, yeah, it's, it's but no, it went well. And uh, I think like, with a, I'm sure this is, well, this is true with all things in life, but you know, when you start a five minute spot is scary until you start doing 10 minute spots, then you go, why would I be scared of a five minute spot? You know, 20 minutes, spots where there be headlines or middlings you go that's scary but now it's like well i've done an hour even if like this goes crap and i'm not really enjoying it i've got more than enough material that i like and um speaking of being judged uh alex was a semi-finalist in the comedia new comedy award blank uh 2019 Correct. Absolutely. Nice. Uh, I was robbed, mate. I was robbed. I was on first. <laughs> I smashed my set and I didn't get through. Who did get through? Uh, Christian Jaggard, who, to be fair, is very, very good. And I like him very much. And then someone whose name I can't remember. And everyone was a bit like, really? They got through? I mean, that's competitions, isn't it? Like... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's one of those things where it, it's corrupt either way corrupt is too fast or whatever but it doesn't quite work either way because you can either do audience vote which just means whoever brings along the most friends or it's judge vote in which case you can be like well i clearly smashed that gig better than the person that got through but the judges preferred that person i did one competition where one of the judges their accolade was that they owned a dog food company <laughs> and it's like this isn't is that uh, does that make them a valuable uh, give them valuable insight into the art of stand-up comedy the, the amount of things you're sort of asked to do as a comedian like trying to break through and stuff like that you look back on it you're like why i mean obviously like your optimism is quite high when you start and you kind of push your tail but then you look back on it you're like why why did i travel to that place for that like i don't know it just sort of doesn't seem uh like well balanced i think when you look back on it well it's like i I think when you start you just need to do all the gigs you can and it is good and you kind of learn a lot that way but it was like there was a lad a while ago i was like oh do you want to come drive up to i can't know somewhere in the middle of the country just to do this open mic in the middle of a pub and i was like no like (laughs) if it's i at least need a separate room and some money like yeah, like when you walk into a gig, it like it's in a pub, which is fine. Like, you know, <clears throat> gigs in pubs, I think sometimes can be really nice. But then you walk in and there's like a mic set up by the bar. You're like, oh, God, I'm like both on stage and queuing for a drink somehow. And- <laughs> yeah, well, where and on stage being more of a kind of uh, a notional idea of a stage as opposed to a literal stage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you it's walk more up like- to like... It's like it's the space in front of the fruit machines with a mic and half a light on it. So, Alex, uh, I feel like I probably know the answer to this question because you and I started at a like fairly similar time in Brighton. Um, but I, well, I suppose for the listeners, well, would you say that your style of stand up that you do now is the same as when you started? I, I, I mean, I think not to answer it for you, I think probably yes, but I think it has evolved since then. So it's similar, but. I I think it's changed drastically, but what hasn't changed... So what's changed has been how I perform, perform, like, write and do stand-up. But, like, I think how I'm funny offstage hasn't particularly changed. Uh, What's happened is that as I've become more confident, one, in doing stand-up, but two, just generally in myself, is actually what I think is funny on stage, Um, which... 
it it's a weird it's a weird thing because I think I was always scared people would think it was shit or bad or wrong in some way. But the irony is, once I started doing that, that's when I've actually started to feel like I've gained some traction and I'm actually decent. Yeah. Uh, I- it does feel like a bit of a rite of passage, that thing of when you, I'd say like, it probably hits for people at different times, but I would say at least after like five or six years, you then have, I think the confidence to be like, this is what I find funny. And to do that on stage rather than like going to a gig and sort of doing stuff that you hope they'll like, but isn't true to your sense of humour. Isn't true to your sense of humour. And if you were very... Um brutal about it you'd go if i was a member of the audience would i laugh at this like i think yeah you know, like early on you have lots of jokes so you kind of go yeah that's like a, a a witty statement or a clever thing to say but it's actually funny but yeah i mean some people as soon as they start they've kind of um uh again to sound like pretentious they've they have their voice they have their style they're confident and that might be people yeah. who are one just suited to stand up in that way or two like you have people who are like, like um uh perhaps like a background in acting or something like i know i called her an empty husk earlier <laughs> but i think um actually i don't know how long she was going before she moved to brighton i think only a year or so but like elaine is elaine fellows is very um she hasn't been going a, a massive amount of time but she's she's definitely very uh, I guess there's an irony in this, but she seems natural on stage, I think, because she's probably a good actor as well and kind of feel comfortable yeah. in the spotlight. Whereas I think for, for myself, I don't know about if this is the same for you, I, I do, when I started stand-up, I don't think I could even really speak to people that well or cut any like, kind of be an actual <laughs> human, let alone try and be some kind of uh, performer. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I think I was the same where, like I knew I wanted to do it and part of me wanted to do stand up just for like the reasons you've said like just sort of your own self-confidence like just in general life as well because if you can do that at a gig then like obviously like that's probably the hardest thing you could ever do I think I think for me public speaking yeah well it's weird though because I think when you just do it so much you kind of forget that it's for most people it's like it's the scariest idea on earth and I do, yeah. I do have to remind myself that a lot. Like if I go down to like a like a more locally kind of open mic, new act, new material night, you kind of forget when you're starting, like how stressful it is. Whereas now you kind of go to one of those shows and it's, I mean, obviously you think about it in advance in terms of what material do I want to try, but it's not like you're, you know, not able to eat during the day because you're so stressed and whatever. So I think sometimes with new, with, slightly newer acts that they might behave a bit strangely and i think looking back i probably behave very strangely but uh but you just go oh, they're, they're probably just a bit stressed they're anxious that's that's fine yeah i think as well like that you have in the back of your head when you've got a bit like a few years experience behind you that you've done it enough times that you know what to do so like anything that happens in the gig you like you know how to deal with it so then actually things happening or go wrong don't become scary anymore you just go oh well this is how this gig is going to go now i'll do this and then get back into the material yeah and i mean at least hopefully uh and sometimes i am scared that i'm just delusional and this isn't the case you have enough evidence that you actually are good and funny and even if a gig doesn't go your way whether that be because the audience wasn't the crop quite the right fit uh whether you didn't form that well that night or probably what is most likely is it's not actually the audience fault but it's 
just how often how like just the room set up or organized i think there's a really nice thing about when you turn up to a gig that has all the hallmarks of being terrible and then you go on and turn it around like which you know it doesn't always happen but like i've had gigs yeah like recently even where like you know you think it's going to be bad and like even if people go on before you and they get like a sort of quite a middling response that if you can then go on and perform well enough and just sort of genuinely enough as well that the audience chill out a bit and realize they can laugh that to me is like like a much nicer feeling than just like a great gig that went really well because it was always going to go well really yeah yeah definitely i mean uh you can't really let this become a like a toxic uh, form of competition. But I think uh, when I do a gig, particularly if it's people like I know, I want everyone to do well. But there's a yeah. part of me that's like, but I want to be like the best. Um, so, <laughs> so, so sometimes if like you can kind of, as if you say if a gig's not going well and you get on there and somehow manage to turn it around or win them over or they've been particularly difficult throughout and for whatever reason they kind of go with you, it does it does feel like you've kind of achieved something. Yeah, and then you come off stage and you say to all the other acts, you're welcome, and then you carry on with the night. <laughs> um, you go, so... I am your hero and saviour. <laughs> it is str- it is strange how, how much your confidence can go all over the place with stand-up. Like I, Ahead of uh, doing my, my fringe shows, I, I was I had a couple of... I, well, I think I just like things in life weren't going well. Like I was made redundant, I was feeling like low confidence, and suddenly it was like, fuck, I'm doing these hour-long shows I don't know if I can do them I was talking to a friend my friend Dawn and she was like oh no chin up it'll be okay we ended up doing a gig together and I tried all new stuff and it went very very well and afterwards she was like oh you feeling better then I was like yeah I'm the king I'm the god (laughs) if I don't think people should do stand-up courses but if they do the first lesson is you'll never be as good as Alex Mason (laughs) but it's 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 very much a game of high and lows although I think for that reason, what I, what, and I think actually it might have even been you that gave me this piece of advice is like, don't judge yourself on the last gig, but like a kind of average of like the last five gigs. I don't remember saying that, but I'm happy to take uh, responsibility for it. I think it sounds it's, like the kind of wise thing, thing I'd say. It's kind of wise, clever Carlos Cosana approach. <laughs> um, so when you are putting a set, well, how do you put a set together for a gig? Um, and there's always like a bit of a follow-up to this question, which is, do you have a quick uh, bit to get into it? And I'm trying to think, I think you do. No, I think you're probably one of the only people who starts with like their first joke. Who starts with, what do you mean? Like as uh, an opener? Like a, yeah, like I, I know like some acts have like a quick line where they'll, it's just a quick thing just to get them into the set. But I think what I've, well, certainly last time I saw you, you would take the time to like properly tell your first joke so that like it's kind of setting up a bit of a high status thing because like you're not trying to get a laugh out of them straight away you're just good you're going to do the first joke and make sure it's done properly and then that will be your first laugh point and like yeah, you're into I, the material i mean it's there's a number of factors like one if what kind of crowd they seem to be. Like if they're the kind of crowd who haven't particularly been going for jokes thus far, you'd maybe do a bit of emceeing or a bit of crowd work. But then equally, if the if they're, if they're just laughing at everything and the MC's done a good job, it's like, let's just go straight into the material. 
Um, yeah. Also, it depends on obviously what kind of show it is. Is it something where you're being paid a decent sum and it's like, I need to do my best stuff. So I'm going to open with my strongest joke. Or if something happens in the room, maybe riff on that, but go for it. Or if it's something where the pay isn't that great or it, you're actually doing it for free, then it's very much a case of I'm just going to do what I want and maybe start with something weird or almost almost like kind of start with something that puts you in a bit of a challenging position. Um, yeah. Also, that's quite, <laughs> so he's coming out and saying something quite aggressive or trying something new or... I think there's a there's an there is a although it's obviously if you're doing a gig where you you need to do well you have your material which you know works blah 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 but there's and again I I might be misattributing this to to you Carl but just that <laughs> idea of like the kind of anxiety slash excitement of trying something new or off the cuff at the start it just makes you like kind of hyper focused and in the moment. Yeah. Whereas if you go up and just go straight into material that's very well worked out, you can kind of switch off a little bit, uh, which actually, yeah. I guess is what I, what I referred to earlier is like um, the Pete Holmes thing of doing the album, which sometimes it's just yeah. like, I'm going to do the album, but other times you kind of need to vibe with the audience. And again, just coming out with loads of stand-up cliches, but that is that idea that as a stand-up, you're kind of playing the audience as an instrument. Um, I think as well the Pete Holmes thing we spoke about before we started recording but yeah basically that thing of just coming out and doing the material and not really focusing on the room too much well well, just for the I guess for the listener then the Pete Holmes thing is the idea that you know if the crowd isn't particularly up for it you know they're fine they're they're kind of laughing at stuff but the the room's quite tight and uh, you don't get much momentum is you know this is different for a lot of um, for uh, stand-ups but for me personally I like a night where it goes off on weird tangents and there's a bit of riffing and a little bit of crowd work but, you know sometimes it's just you know they're not really up for that and you go well, I'm just going to do the album I'm just going to I've got all my jokes let's do all the jokes yeah. get in get out it's get I guess when it kind of feels like stand-up is more of a job than a kind of enjoyable thing to do which is that it, I mean it can be enjoyable but it doesn't give you that kind of when you come off stage, that kind of life affirming, wow, that was that was amazing. But I guess to be fair, really, if you're being a professional, the audience doesn't care if you've had a life affirming moment. They just want to fucking laugh. <laughs> and it is those gigs where, you know, you're getting paid more and, you know, you, you're you there. There's an expectation you're there to do a job. So you're not, it's not really for your enjoyment. It's for you to go and do the stuff you know that works and make sure that the audience have a good time. Yeah, and I guess with those shows as well, you've probably sent over loads of videos and the booker or whoever's managing the night has an expectation of what you're going to do. So if yeah. you just go up and start talking bullshit, they could, they, they could be rightfully irritated. Um, but then, yeah, so then are you putting together your set on the day, like rehearsing it before the gig, or are you kind of thinking of the bits that you're going to do whilst you're at the gig? I don't rehearse... Um, which I wish I could, but again, bringing it back to my friend slash nemesis, nemesis Elaine. Like for me, I'm not I'm not a good actor in any way, so I I have to be kind of in the moment and feel like I'm one almost 
coming up with the stuff I'm saying as I'm saying it. Obviously, I haven't. I've written it, but that means I can't kind of memorize it. I have to be remembering it. But also, too, yeah. that I'm kind of, again, this is a, a big stand-up cliche, but instead of it being like a performer telling jokes, it's it's like I, we went for a drink and I'm kind of trying to make you laugh and trying to tell you a story. I need that yeah. kind of energy, which I wish I could be a bit more kind of um, planned, but I, I found in the past that means I end up being a bit tight on stage, which doesn't really work for me. Although I think probably the best uh, middle ground is, you know, you come up with a plan. But so when I get to the gig or maybe on the train or the bus or whatever, you kind of write out bullet points of what you want your set list to be. But once you're on stage, it's I'm more than happy to abandon this plan and go down yeah. a different route if that seems more... Uh, uh, like it has it has more laughs in it well i like those bits as well where you're at a gig and like if the mc is talking to someone in the audience about a thing that you've like maybe half written or like it's kind of almost there but or even like a bit that you have had in your set but have dropped and then you know that bit relates perfectly to that conversation i like that thing going on stage and doing that bit at the top so it looks like you've just come up with like a bit of like material based off of the interaction that they had so you're like in the room from the beginning of the set and it's like it's a pre-prepared thing anyway but it just makes you look like you're like doing the work and like listening to the rest of the gig as well not just going on like yeah great to be here yeah i'm i mean it's a bad habit i can fall into but it it is best you know to kind of always be at the back of the room watching how the gig's going on no matter how where you are in the set because it's it is it's not great as an audience member when a, there's a guy in the front row who's the MCs talk to and they've gone into great depth about how they're a, a, like a I don't know a horticulturist. Uh, I love that. That's the first uh, job that came. Well, to it's head. It, it's just because it's just because I had the corner of my eye, I could see my uh, my, my house plants. And then you, but then horticulturist you monthly. Exactly. <laughs> then you come up on stage and you're like, "What do you do for a job?" And the audience's like, well, "We've already we've already discussed this." Yeah. I have seen people do it well where they, they basically just say like, oh, you know, I was, it's usually like more of like a pro headliner, but they're like, oh, you know, you, you may have been spoken to already. I've just got to the gig because like travel, whatever. If you've been asked this those times, I'm sorry, but what do you like fill me in? I quite, I quite like that approach because it's like, you're honest and it's not like you're saying, I don't care about this gig. It's like you're saying, I've just got here, but I want to do. Yeah. And I think, I think that's great, but it's like, if, if the audience spots you, you come in when they've kind of arrived and you've got into the <laughs> back room to, you know, to do your lines of codes provided by, um, you, <laughs> you, uh, uh, you, should we bleep the name I said there? Oh, I mean, as soon as you said it, I was like, well, that's coming up. <laughs> I reckon just, just, just do a friendly little beep. Uh, over, okay. Over, although I honestly don't care, but uh, I guess you care because you still uh, work with the monster. Well, yeah, although I annoyed him last time I was there. But yeah. but then I feel like he gets annoyed with anything. Anyway, we'll, we'll move from this topic because I can see the sweat falling on your brow. <laughs> uh, well, I think a good uh, place to move on to is the second feature. Um, so as uh, discussed before the conversation, Alex, I've just sent you an email for uh, the stuff that you need for this. So... Usually the second feature is like a thing where the the guest is kind of, uh, as we said, put on the back foot a bit and uh, made to improvise. 
Mm-hmm. Um, now, I I know that a lot of people that listen to this podcast and you as well are desperate to find out more information about me, Carl Kazana, because I'm a very closed book often. You know, it's, it's not about me. It's about the guests. I want them to, you know, get all their stuff across about them or whatever. So I I've, like to um, I think of you as like um, the Necronomicon from Evil Dead. It's like a it's an evil old book that you you dent open in case you summon uh, pain and strife onto the world. Yeah. Um but so what I've prepared for you Alex is a couple of questions that you can ask me. Uh-huh. Um and I've written these uh, channeling Alex Mason. So uh-huh. I I sat down and thought what what would Alex want to know what would he what would he say? So yeah, if you just want to take this opportunity, just ask me a couple of questions and uh, I'll give you my last answer. Would you like me to uh, to begin now? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Carl, as you know, I've been a huge fan of your work for many years now. Your talent and brave choices, both on and off stage, continue to inspire and move me in equal measure. Do you think there could be a day where, like, do you think there could be a day where, like, I'm as good as you at comedy, perhaps, maybe? Um, it's a great question, Alex. Thanks so much for the compliments. Um, I think, yeah, if you keep plugging away at it, keep keep working hard keep trying you know i i definitely can see a day perhaps maybe where you might be nearly as good as me uh, uh-huh. but you know several years in, in the future and if you ever want any tips you know i'm here uh-huh. you know just just you know reach out okay uh carl I, i'm supposed to be doing this as a character but i, I i'm ashamed to say i don't know, i've never actually seen the film that is the uh reference point what? So I'm gonna. Well, I I can't remember what it was. What was it? Uh, Casablanca. No, I have seen Casablanca. Oh. But the issue is, and this, I guess, this could be a tangent. But I I quit drinking like a year and a bit ago, and there's so many things that I watched that I have no memory of, just because I'm shit faced. <laughs> so, I think for this, all it all it needs to be is like a. Because he does it like, here's looking at you. You know, it's like sort of 1920s uh-huh. man. Well, should I, should I do it as drunk Alex Mason? Yeah, yeah. If it if it's similar to the Casablanca guy, then yeah. Uh, Carl, Carl, as my friend and the person I look up to most in the world, I don't. I'm sorry about this. I'm sorry. I don't think I've ever told you this enough. You're a goddamn miracle child, kids. <laughs> How much do you think is a reasonable amount to charge for a quiche? Um. So uh, I think it depends where you get it from. Um, I'd say. If it's homemade... All right, all right, all right. Enough, enough <laughs> fucking round now with your middle-class purchasing power. What's your favourite Channing Tatum flick? Oh, great question. Um, probably Jupiter Ascending. Okay. I mean, I mean, again, I don't want to pull away the magician's curtain, but the stage note I was given is that I need to hiccup every time you say the phrase, you know, <laughs> but you didn't say it once. So I've actually filled my part of the fulfilled my part of the bargain immaculately. I, oh no, that was audience to say, Carl, Carl, it's the audience that's suffering here. Wait, what have you done that one for the, 
no for this one it's every time you say you know you've got to also hiccup uh, for this question alex nice. hiccups every time he uh, says a phrase you know see, it, this is confusing because you did okay i i i can only apologize to your audience well okay. uh, that's fine i mean i appreciate the sentence alex Carl, hiccups. i'm so sorry <laughs> i just get the feeling we're really vibing like during this interview you know and well i wanted to ask <laughs> did you ever know that feeling you know where you're on stage you know and and you're just like, this is what I was born to do, you know? I mean, I've just got, I'm just yet to experience it, but I feel like it's one of those things when you know, you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the question? <laughs> uh, that, that's all I had prepared, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I think I know what you mean. Uh, and I think it's a, it's a great feeling, you know? Yeah, it's what I was born to do. Stand up in um, front of twenty disinterested drunkards and try and make them laugh. That's that's what I was born to do. Well, I like how you brought that that sort of drunk vibe to what you did. Uh, I thought uh-huh. you, I thought you were very good, and I thought your commitment to it was actually more than I expected. So maybe I could be an actor like the great Elaine Fellows. I, I like this um, this beeline plot as well that you like secretly hate Elaine, uh, previous guest of this. Uh, she is my friend, yet my nemesis. <laughs> I um, our main form of contact. Well, we do we go out for like dinners and stuff and for, like friendship stuff, but our main form of contact on a daily basis is I send her cute TikTok animal videos I found. She thinks to enrich her life when in reality I'm just distracting her from her writing process. <laughs> So it's because you're threatened by her that you have decided to massive, not just uh, in the in the realm of stand up, but also she's trying to steal my my friends Mel and Meg. Um, oh yeah, and she thinks just because she has a has a partner, Mel and Meg are each other's partners. They can go on like couples like outings. No, I pop along, bitter and angry and resentful. I, I like the the twist this has taken, Alex, because I feel like you know you you've been very honest about. Uh, this stuff and you know, I appreciate that um, I mean Mel and, Mel and Meg are great I, I'd steal them off don't you steal was... them Carl I can't fight a war on two fronts I, I, I'm, I might get Mel and Meg on the podcast actually no um, no no put no, out no. instead of this one <laughs> no don't don't do that um, no they're, they're, they're great great people shout out to Mel and Meg um, great, great people uh, wish they were here uh, right so uh, actually, speaking of Elaine Fellows, she uh, recorded the um, theme tune for this last section, uh, which is called Show and Tell. My name's Elaine and Mrs. Margaret. We're going to talk about Miss Amber. So sit with your tea. I hope you're well. Such a good show. Terrible on both parts. No, you were good. She she came. I think she came up with the name. No, I might have given it to her. So, um, but in this bit, we just talk about a bit that has been in your set, but now isn't, or a note that you have, but you've not made in stand up, or just you know a thing that you want to suggest that isn't currently uh in your set uh i mean there's there's you know there's there's bits that have fallen by the wayside and then there's uh bits you know you try once or twice and you can never really get to work and you kind of abandon them as a better idea comes along um i i think i uh 
uh, I used to do a bit about my old job, which um, I think was quite funny, but it, it didn't work enough of the time. And there was elements of it that if the people at that former job heard it, it might have caused an issue. It was maybe a bit too honest about um, how I felt as a young young man. I was being slightly sexually harassed. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So that fell by the wayside. Then there's, I guess, there's always there's like lines you think of that are quite amusing, and particularly like when you're with friends or other comics, and you can kind of say them without a context, and they kind of get that there's an irony implied or whatever. But then to actually put them into a set, you need to build something around it so the audience doesn't just think you're a madman screaming um, offensive things. I feel like sometimes you go to a gig and you see someone do that, but they haven't done that extra step to contextualise it. Mm. And so it's just someone who's like, oh, my mates say I'm hilarious. And then they go and do a gig and you're like, right, but your mates aren't here. (laughs) And I guess this is, well, I guess you you have more of like a kind of separate persona on stage than myself at the at least a little bit. Yeah. Um, but then yeah, you see some people that if they're new and they're kind of doing a character on stage, but it's not clear that it is a character to the audience. And sometimes that confusion yeah. can be amazing. But other times they kind of go, is the joke here supposed to be ironic? Or do you actually think these things? Or is it somewhere in the middle? Yeah. You run the risk of people like with people like Al Murray or whatever, like, you run the risk of people enjoying that for like taking it at face value rather than seeing the irony in it. Um, yeah. But I mean, Al, Al Murray is an amazing performer and a great writer. I'm more thinking of like when you're in an open mic and you're like, is this guy actually a Nazi? Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. The amount of people who do a joke and you're like, why would you ever think of that subject as having anything funny in it when it's so like offensive or, yeah, I don't know. You just sort of. I mean, there can be like things which are funny because they are so horrible to say, or the joke is it would be ridiculous to say this thing. But then I guess that, again, you just need to make very clear that to the audience where you lie. Um, and also, I think it's, it's tricky because obviously, like a five minute set, if you're just trying out some new jokes or you're doing a tight spot on a bigger show, you don't really have the. Um, the the, the kind of grace to build up a character because you only have five minutes whereas if you're doing 20 minutes or doing your own hour show you can very much set out your stall and make sure everyone's on the same page but like yeah like i haven't done a five in ages and i would say that my stuff now is humble brag. like <laughs> uh yeah <laughs> but um like yeah i'd say my stuff is really like persona led like you say it's a bit of a character but it's 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 like a heightened version of me, but I am playing a character because I think it's good to have that degree of separation to say that this isn't me on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it. Yeah, I do wonder if I did a five, would all of that come across and still have enough time to like do jokes? Because I think in a longer set, you can you can use five minutes just kind of setting things up. Like obviously telling jokes still, but you know, like there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, well, Alex, I think that uh, brings us to the end. Now, I would, th- this obviously this is a slightly hilarious thing because uh, I'm going to ask you if you've got anything to plug, which as we've already discussed, you mm-hmm. did have. <laughs> now it's been and gone. 
but yeah, what what have you got coming up, and where can people find you on the internet and things? Uh, well, probably just the best way follow me on on the gram, um, Alex underscore John underscore Mason, and uh, I'll be posting about gigs and stuff, and nice little Instagram stories about my house plants and uh, people. Uh, juggling fire outside my flat it's, oh it's the place to be <laughs> if you're on the web <laughs> nice uh and like so have you i mean because you're in brighton aren't you so like what uh are the working people come and see you do a gig uh i assume mainly in brighton uh yeah pretty much everywhere aside from the place we mentioned earlier that we bleeped out <laughs> um yeah I'll, I'll be around follow me again follow me on, on instagram and i'll post all my shows there so cool perfect uh well in that case alex jonathan creek mason thank you very much the end that is 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 the end we've all had fun i'd like to thank you for listening along share this ep your nearest and dear. I'd like to thank my guest, insert name here. We'll be back with another one soon. In the meantime, leave us a review. Only if it is five stars or above, I think you'll agree. Five isn't enough. Like and subscribe, that would be the best. See you again on the Joy of Set. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Uh, cool. And then. <laughs>